Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, today we continue our series in 2 Corinthians, Power in Weakness. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 7, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, The Sufferings and Comfort of Christ. Nobody wants to suffer. I don't, and you don't either. You know, one time Paul wrote of his own sufferings as momentary light afflictions. You might have wondered about that. I mean, how does the guy who, you know, when he was with the Corinthian Christians, seems to have suffered so much that, that he looked like death? Indeed, his outward appearance was so frayed and so haggard that some assumed this man can't possibly be a man of God. I mean, the misery he'd endured had taken such a toll on his body that all the people at Corinth saw only his weakness. And if you think about how suffering produces weakness, well, it produces a loss of status and it, it removes people from a place of influence. Think about it this way. You know, when people run for the office of President of the United States, it has become a custom for them to have a physician give a description of their physical health. I mean, you're not healthy enough, you can't do the job. And so when we suffer, when we face not just the suffering, but the social consequences that come from suffering, well, it's often the case that we cry to God and we say, why? If you love me, how can you allow this to have happened? To this, I want to read from C.S. Lewis in his work, The Problem of Pain. And Lewis said, the problem of reconciling human suffering with the existence of a God who loves is only insoluble as long as we attach a trivial meaning to the word love and look on things as if man were at the center of them. Ah, yes, what should we do when we suffer? And more so, what should we do when we've suffered at the hands of others? So let's remind ourselves of the Apostle Paul's sufferings. He's, he's been repeatedly thrown into prison. He's received the 40 lashes minus one on five separate occasions. And by the way, that was a punishment so harsh that many a man died at that place. You have to imagine the long process of healing and the psychological shock that plays on your mind. He had been beaten with rods on three occasions, and in Lystra he'd been stoned and left for dead. And then there were the ever-pressing dangers. You know, some of those dangers were simply from the bandits that were a plague in those days, but sometimes they were the dangers from false brothers. And then were the frequent sleepless nights, and then, of course, were all those times he had gone without food. And that's to say nothing of the fact that he often didn't have proper clothing to protect him from cold and exposure. Yeah, I can almost see Paul when he showed up in Corinth. Hollowed out eyes, thin enough that you could count his bones. Perhaps there was that constant cough. And his clothing? Well, it's hardly the clothing of a man of importance. And then you wonder why it is that some of the people in Corinth thought that he was unimpressive in appearance. Yeah, they said his letters are impressive, but he's a disappointment when he actually shows up. So let's read today's text. It's found in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. 
For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. You know, after a brief introduction, Paul settles into the theme of the letter. This will be a letter about God's power and human weakness. And so, rightfully, Paul begins and he goes right to the theme of the letter. And as we do, we immediately notice the force of the words he uses as well as the repetition of some of those words. In five short verses, notice how he uses words. He uses the word affliction three times. The word is flipsis in the Greek. It means trouble that results in suffering. And then he uses the word suffering also three times. In the Greek, that word speaks of painful suffering with the emphasis on the pain. And then, not to be outdone by painful words, we also notice that he uses the word comfort more often than all of the other words. The word is used 10 times in five verses. And so, even though Paul has suffered beyond what he is able to bear, it seems as if he has been most overwhelmed, not by his personal misery, but rather by the outpouring of God's comfort. Well, let's start from the beginning. Paul's writing a troubled church, the church in the Greek city of Corinth. And the church began in a glorious fashion, one of Paul's greatest success stories. But but soon after he left, the church had trouble. And he wrote them 1 Corinthians, but it would seem they didn't receive that letter well. And then he visited. It was a painful visit, he says. Then he wrote them again, and the majority repented. But still, there were those who argued that Paul couldn't be a man of God when God didn't protect him from suffering. And so Paul begins his defense, and he begins with words that if you had been a Jew in that day, well, they would have seemed very familiar. The words sound very much like a blessing that a Jew would have heard in a synagogue on any given Sabbath. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, God of our fathers. But here in Paul's opening words, the phrase God of our fathers, well, that gets replaced with the words God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, as the man who has encountered Jesus, Paul knows that, that if he wants to begin with a blessing, there can be no greater blessing than the blessing that God has given us in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, to simply bless people in the name of God and not inject the name of Jesus, well, that would be to withhold the greatest of all blessings. But then after affirming that Jesus is the greatest blessing of all, Paul then returns to the Father and calls him the Father of mercies whether it is the mercy of the forgiveness of sins or the mercy of having been adopted into the family of God or the mercy of God's daily provision. Paul uses the plural, mercies. The suffering man is overwhelmed by mercies coming in abundance. And then to emphasize what he's talking about, he now uses the word comfort for the first time. But notice that he doesn't say the God of comfort, rather the God of all comfort. And the idea here is twofold. I mean, first, the comforts of God are in abundance. And there are so many examples, not just of mercy, but of comfort. But there's a second meaning behind the word all. You know, Paul means to say that if there is any comfort at all, it comes from God. All comfort means the sum total of all comfort that I have experienced in my life has come from God. Now, we've got to stop and ask ourselves, what comfort is Paul speaking about, or what does he mean when he says comfort? In our world today, when we think of comfort, well, we think of things like luxury. Comfort means to be free from pain. You know, when the nurse asks you, are you comfortable, she means, are you pain-free? But enjoying comfort for many in our world also means enjoying luxury. 
Comfort means enjoying the, the finer things of life. I mean, having a house that has, you know, radiant heating in the floor so that you can be barefoot in the bathroom and, and not have to worry about cold feet. Now, now, that's comfort. And comfort means having everything in life we want without the inconveniences. Well, clearly, you know, from this paragraph, Paul doesn't think that this is what God has provided for him at all. You know, it was John Wycliffe, when he translated the word comfort, thought it meant something like bravery, strength, courage. He thought Paul meant that God is the God of courage when he faced overwhelming suffering. Now, was Wycliffe right in that translation? Well, yeah, I think that does get at it. But others suggest the word means the act of emboldening, that is, being unflinchingly confident when we suffer. And still others argue that the meaning of the word has something to do with with causing someone to be encouraged. That is, when trouble comes, we don't despair. Rather, we're heartened and we're uplifted and we find new strength where we thought there wasn't any. So I hope you see the point. See, Paul is not saying that when trouble comes his way, that that suddenly God came in and and he took all the trouble away. Paul didn't experience God that way. Rather, the comfort of God is the, is the kind of comfort that, that stops us from falling into despair or into hopelessness. Instead, the comfort of God is that which gives courage to carry on and, and boldness to endure. It even gives a cheerfulness of heart to bear the suffering with a sense of purpose and even a renewed sense of joy. And, and, and that's the point. See, when the sufferings in this life are so great that any other person might have quit, Paul found himself encouraged and enabled and emboldened, and he was renewed. And this, he said, happened with frequency, but not only that. Every time it happened, he said, it came from God. It was not as if I'm tough. It's because God is so comforting. Nothing I face seems impossible. And listen, If it comes from God, you have that kind of comfort as well. Back to the Bible Canada is all about Bible teaching. That's our passion, our legacy, and our continued mission. Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld studies, prepares, and presents a verse-by-verse understanding of the Bible, and God is changing lives. So we're excited to announce a brand new resource for 2020, the Back to the Bible Canada Study Series. It's a six-week Bible study video series designed for personal and small group use. Bible teaching at its finest that includes Bible teaching videos, discussion questions, and notes that engage the participant in a verse-by-verse study and greater understanding of the Bible. This series will be made available on the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel and by visiting backtothebible.ca. And remember, every resource is available for free as the result of partners like you. Your gift is so appreciated. To learn more or to give today, call 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just take some of our burdens away? I mean. Why doesn't he replace the hardships we face with, you know, well, comfort, well, the way in which we understand comfort? I mean, wouldn't it be better if he just removed our afflictions from us? Oh, God, take it away, we pray. And then it seems that all we hear is the silence of heaven. Or at least for many of us, that's so very discouraging. 
Now, to be clear, when in verse 4, Paul speaks of the God who comforts us in our, our affliction, he means both external suffering as well as internal torment. Look at it from Paul's perspective. You know, he's faced everything from mob violence to stoning to imprisonment. That's the external stuff. But think, if you will, of Acts 18, 9, and 10. You know, in that passage, Paul has just arrived in Corinth, and no sooner is he there, but the trouble has begun again. And Acts 18, verses 9 to 10 says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. So think about the context of that. By that time, Paul must have been getting jumpy. He's, he's gun-shy. He blinks and shudders when the next bit of trouble arises. And so God comes to him in a vision, and he promises to protect him. And God does just that so that when the next attack arises, he's got an unlikely ally. His name is Sosthenes, and he happens to be the local synagogue ruler. I guess I'm trying to make a point. And the point is that Paul's suffering has nothing to do with arthritis or with his wife committing adultery or his, his boss firing him. It has to do with the cost of preaching the gospel. Listen, in a world that's twisted by sin, in a world that's hostile to God, if, if you preach the gospel in such a world, you're going to suffer. And God is going to comfort you with courage and with a joyful heart. That's the promise. Or it may take it even further. The same promise also applies to anyone who's faithful to the gospel. Ah, but we still haven't answered the question, have we? Why doesn't God take the affliction and the suffering away? And here Paul is already way ahead of us. He's already answered our question before we've even begun to ask it. Look halfway through verse 4. Two little words. So that, it says. Or in order that. God doesn't take the affliction away because he knows that by allowing the affliction to remain, something that he desires is going to be accomplished. And what is that thing? So that we, that is, we who are suffering because of our faithfulness to the gospel, so that we will be able to comfort or to make bold or to give people the tools not to despair, but to remain joyfully confident in God. All those other people who are suffering for the cause of the gospel as well. Okay, let's step back and consider the, the totality of what Paul is teaching about affliction. For suffering is a part of the experience of those who are faithful to Christ. So don't be surprised if it happens to you, for I promise you it's going to happen. Second, God's not interested in giving us this world's comfort. He wants to rid you of your attachment to this world's pleasure and to make you yearn for the world to come. And third, God is going to deepen your confidence in his power rather than allowing you to rely on your own strength. So he weakens you in order to make you reliant on his strength so that you never forget where the real power comes from. And fourth, it's very important, for this is Paul's main point. God is comforting you so that you can comfort others. Be that man or woman who has walked through that fire and found confidence in God, well, be that man or woman. And you can minister to anyone who's walking through fire today. And then go to verse 5. Notice the promise. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I hope you noticed it. Twice here, Paul uses the word abundantly. One Greek lexicon says of that word, to exist in abundance with the implication of being considerably more than we would have expected. 
And so that's what Paul is saying. First of all, he is sharing in Christ's sufferings, but he's saying that he's sharing in them to a greater degree than he had first expected. That is, when he first came to Christ. Now, let's slow down a bit. Notice that when Paul suffers, he's aware of a spiritual reality. Jesus has invited Paul to enter into his own sufferings. And of course, Paul can't suffer like Jesus. I mean, in the sense that Paul's sufferings can provide forgiveness for the sins of the world. It's not that. That's not what he's saying. But this is so important. And I have to say, listen up. Turn up the volume. Pay attention. What I'm about to say is very important. Ready? Here goes. Paul is saying that the sufferings that he is experiencing are a continuation of Jesus' sufferings while he was in the flesh. That is, Jesus today continues to suffer as his servants bring his gospel to the earth. He is suffering through the suffering of his chosen servants. And so for Paul, his suffering wasn't bad luck or the result of living in a fallen world. His sufferings are his participation in the sufferings of Jesus. So are yours. Didn't you know that? Christ has called you to be in him so that you fill up in your flesh the sufferings of Jesus. In this way, your life and his are inseparable. Didn't you know that? Now then, he, Paul, is saying this suffering is considerably more than he had expected. There was a superabundance of suffering. But then his attention is taken from the suffering of the present hour to the superabundance of the comfort that flows from God. There is courage, there's resolve, there's joy, there's an inner sense of fulfillment that just won't quit, and it's considerably more than he had expected. And so when we come to verse 6, he says, yeah, but all that I'm experiencing is not just so that I'll be in Christ, but I'm experiencing all this for your benefit as well. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, It is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Watch me suffer, says Paul, and watch my comfort, and then take heart, so that when your suffering is greater than you anticipated, notice also that your comfort is is greater as well. And don't you see how blind the Corinthians have been? They thought that Paul's sufferings meant that, that he'd been abandoned by God. But he wasn't. Instead, they were indebted both to God and to Paul for his suffering. It was preparing them for their own suffering. A gracious and loving God had allowed Paul to suffer as he had for them. How God was blessing them with with that gaunt and suffering man who showed up among them, who knew of God's superabundant comfort. And if you wanted to know what real comfort looked like, well, just watch Paul. We come now to verse 7, and it's somewhat surprising. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. You know, in one sense, that verse seems no more than a summary of what Paul's been saying, but I've said it. it's a surprising verse really for two reasons. The first is that Paul's statement that they share in his sufferings. I mean, from the best of my understanding, I don't think the Corinthians were suffering any persecution at that time at all. I mean, how were they sharing in Paul's sufferings? Well, the answer might be in the tone that Paul writes. If comfort is an expression of joyful courage in the face of suffering, we should read this passage as an invitation, not just to the Corinthians, but to us as well. You know, I think it's time for Canadian and North American Christians to stop being intimidated by the wider culture and to start clothing ourselves in the robes of wise and holy courage. 
This is an invitation from the great apostle, come and share in the superabundant sufferings of Christ and therefore also in the superabundant comfort that comes from God. Now, one more reason why this final verse, verse 7, is so surprising to me. And these are the words, our hope for you is unshaken. As we've seen this church, the, the church in Corinth was anything but perfect. They had, as we saw, mistreated Paul. They had flirted with false teaching. They had openly sinned. Now, they had finally repented, but only after a very painful visit and then another letter, but still. There was still a minority that were clinging to the previous errors. I mean, how could Paul even begin to say, my hope for you is unshaken? (laughs) If I were Paul, I'd be saying quite the opposite. I'm shaken. I don't even know if you guys are going to make it. See, I think Paul says this because he knows the power of God in weakness. He knows it's Christ's church, and he knows how weak that church is. He also knows that weakness doesn't indicate that God's power is absent. And you and I, when we think about that, we need to trust in the power of God. See, when you're looking at your own weakness or the weakness of others, are you convinced of God's power? You should be, because Paul has more than enough courage that was given to him in his own weakness. You can have the very same thing he had. John, thanks so much for today. Uh, Just a quick question. You know, we've talked about this a little bit, but the contrast between the word comfort that Paul uses and sort of the translation perhaps of being courage instead. Yeah, I think that, you know, for some of us, when we pray to the Lord, Ben, I think what we do is we say, you know, God, take this suffering that I'm going through, just take it away. Because, you know, for many of us, the, the great goal in life is to be suffering free rather than to be filled with God, uh, filled with the gospel of Jesus and our willingness to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with others. So, you know, Paul thinks about comfort differently than many of us do. Um, Rather than, you know, God take away this, this heaviness, you know, God give me the courage to go through this and to be strong and bold and be able to endure with a cheerful heart everything that you've given me. Now, that's a different definition of comfort. I think, Ben, that's the definition that Paul is giving, and I think that's the one we should be living out in our own lives as well. Let's strive for that. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue in our series in 2 Corinthians, Power in Weakness, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Hey, this is Dr. John Newfeld of Back to the Bible Canada. Take the opportunity today to sponsor a pastor to attend our June 2020 Back to the Bible Canada third annual Bible teaching conference. Hosting hundreds of Indian pastors across India, conferences will take place in Delhi, Hyderabad, and Chennai. I will be teaching pastors to learn the discipline of effectively teaching the Bible and sharing the gospel. You know, many pastors in India have little opportunity for formal education, so being trained and equipped can mean so much to their ministry. This year, you can sponsor the attendance of an Indian pastor for only $55, which includes the cost of the conference, resources, travel, accommodations, and food. Join us in this great cause of continuing to equip pastors in India. 
consider sponsoring one or more pastors to attend the India Bible Teaching Conference this June. Call 1-800-663-2425 or visit sendapastor.ca.